1: You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Celtics podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Man, I'm so,
2: I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible. Oh my
3: mama, oh my mama Megan, man. Anything's possible. Rainy days, jump shot fade away. This the best Celtics podcast day to day. I get excited about it every night about it. A real C's fan wouldn't want to live their life without it. Banner 18 in the making, we gotta make it. Best squad in the East and still we can't get complacent. Most winning franchise, so the history's ancient. You could tell them other guys are going plan a vacation. Yeah, Corrales, Packard, and J. King. Locked on, trying to get the 18th ring. The most in-depth coverage that you ever gonna hear. Well-respected in a city like Russell's career. It's Rain and Jay's. Millie. Millie. Hey there, welcome
1: back to the Lockdown Celtics Podcast here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Thank you for making us part of our, or your, daily routine. We're the Reign of Jays, John Corrales, J-King, here to talk about, uh, you know, preseason's over. We'll get some of our takeaways. Marcus Smart lost his mind, and J.R. Smith will do that to you. We'll talk about that, and whatever else pops into our, our little old heads Thank you. If you're a new listener, welcome all new listeners. Our our numbers are growing. That means there are new people who are joining. Thank you. If, if you're new to us, John Corral is here. Reds Army underscore John on Twitter. Jay King's with me at By Jay King on Twitter. He writes for The Athletic. I write for nobody in particular other than Boston.com. But yeah, Boston.com, eh, you know, I'm all over the place. So, And that's going to be the, like, the theme of this podcast. So <laughs> we're all over the place. Jay, how you feeling?
2: All over the place.
1: All over the place.
2: I'm all over the place. I feel great, though.
1: So what was supposed to be, like, the end of a very quick preseason, it was supposed to be, like, eh, whatever. No Kyrie, no Gordon Hayward. We'll see just how some of these other guys look, but I wasn't expecting much. And then all of a sudden in the first quarter, Marcus Smart just loses his mind because J.R. Smith and Aaron Baines get tangled up. And I don't know about you, I thought Marcus was especially like wound in this one, and he, he went at J.R. Smith. Those two have a history. They don't like each other. Marcus Smart hates J.R. Smith, and he went at him. Thank God for Terry Rozier and Jason Tatum for, for taking him down and saving him for himself.
2: Yeah, and I think it's important to note that Marcus Smart, could receive a suspension for that. Uh, we'll most certainly be seeing a fine. He, I, he I definitely he he huh. definitely tried to punch jr Smith, but huh. was <laughs> held back. Um, I, I I don't know. I mean, obviously Marcus Smart has been through hell. just hell hell um over the past couple of months watching his mother basically just diminish until her body didn't work anymore and pass away and sleeping with her so that she would have someone by her side at the hospital and everything he went through in the summer and then it's hard to tell whether that impacted the actions at all i mean it's impossible to tell that you don't know whether it did it seemed certainly like he had a little something extra behind it but shit maybe it was just that J.R. Smith has taken dirty shots at the Celtics before, and J.R. Smith once threw a forearm that leveled Jay Crowder, and J.R. Smith once shoved Al Horford while Al Horford was airborne, shoved him in the back in basically one of the dirtiest plays you'll ever see in basketball. Horrible. So it's, it's hard to tell whether it was influenced by Smart's emotions off the court it was obvious he was very 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 emotional about that and then after the game you know he he brought up his mother said on my on my mama rest in peace i ain't no punk um it was a lot more emotional than i anticipated the fourth preseason game getting but that's that's just how it goes sometimes with Marcus Smart, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes, it gets, sometimes it gets emotional. And that was – it was more than I anticipated seeing from a, a preseason game. I'll just say that.
1: Yeah, look, Marcus, I you're right. We don't know. We don't know. We can only go by what we see, what we feel, and, and our perception. And that perception may be wrong. He said after the game, you know, uh, I think Abby Chin asked him if he was a little bit more emotional because of circumstances. And he said, nope, nope, this is who I am. This is i always been and this is who I always will be. And, okay, that's fine. You could take that at face value. Or I, I could not believe him and I, I kind of don't. I, I, I do believe that. And it's it's not a criticism at all. This is I want to flat out say this ahead of time. It's not a criticism of Marcus Smart it's a statement of fact that having gone through what he's gone through first of all he's already an emotional guy. Second of all he's only 24 years old and he's been through a lot in his life at 24 until- and
2: his mother his mother was huge to him yes like, to- like it's it's not a regular mother son relationship they he called her after every single game
1: yeah like was- he
2: talked on the phone after every single game they were supremely tight.
1: So there's there's more there and then to, like I said at 24 years old to be that close to your mom and to watch her not just like not to just a loser but to slowly have her slip away because of cancer which is insidious that is a lot that is a lot and then on top of it like you said contract negotiations that that went way too long that you know, maybe dredged up some sort of bad feelings, even though they're not going to, you know, it probably didn't linger, but it was there. All of these things add up. And if Marcus Smart's the type of person who's going to kind of stuff a lot of that down and not really let a lot of that, those emotions play out, then, then it's going to come out in big bursts and I feel like this was one of those big bursts and it's my, my entire point here is that I just hope that Marcus finds a way to, to, to find an outlet for these emotions to talk to somebody, to do something because there's a lot there. There is too much for any human being, no matter how strong you think you are or no matter how strong you really are. You, this is hard to go through.
2: I I will also say you're kind of you're kind of extrapolating and and saying that was definitely what caused him to lose his shit against J.R. Smith. I will say like Brad Stevens has literally I don't think he's ever called called out another player for taking a cheap shot. He said J.R. Smith took a cheap shot at Aaron Baines with his shove. And I think that was just a sign like the Celtics have just grown sick of J.R. Smith over the years and I, I honestly don't even think J.R. Smith a dirty player. Like, oh, he's a dirty player. No, but I, I can't re- I can't remember another incident where J.R. Smith has been dirty against another team. Mm, yeah, I guess. I have to- and so he's he's had he's had now. I mean, I, I didn't even think his shove against Baines was that dirty. Like, they got tangled up. He shoved them, Whatever. It wasn't a big deal. The shove against Horford last year. And the forearm against Crowder were certainly dirty, but it's like I don't think J.R. Smith's the dirtiest player, but it's just a pattern of dirty plays against the Celtics that has them fed up. Sure. And and so I, I can understand the frustration from their side because it's like why, what the hell? JR never stops being this this dirtbag against us. He's an. I'm, asshole. Not sure, I'm not even sure he's a dirty player. Like. He just got carried away against the Celtics a few times. They've had obviously some some tough battles in the playoffs, and I think he's emotional too. But I'm not I'm not ready to say like it was definitely the other things in Marcus Smart's life that pushed him to that. I think part of it was just he doesn't like J.R. Smith. Like when J.R. Smith shoved Al Horford, this was last year in the playoffs. Oh. A lot of the stuff wasn't going on with Marcus Smart. He was in J.R. Smith's face instantly. He was—he confronted him, and they were in each other's <laughs> like nose right. to nose. And so I, I'm not—I'm not—I'm not ready to put causation out there. I want to—I want to be clear that
1: I'm, I'm not saying that all of this stuff caused Marcus Smart to flip out. What I'm saying is I believe that this caused Marcus Smart to flip out in a more extreme way. Like, regardless of what was going on in Marcus Smart's life, none of this could have happened and he would have lost it in that moment. But what I what I don't think would have happened is the need to basically tackle him to stop him from charging at J.R. Smith. That I think that there's if you want to go from a scale of one to 10, his normal reaction would be like a seven and all of this other shit in his life has escalated to like a 12. Like that's, that's what I think I think that Marcus smart hates J.R. Smith. All of the stuff you said is absolutely correct. Like we can go by what we saw and say the cause of what caused Marcus smart to flip out was J.R. Smith's an asshole. He, he got a little dirty again Everybody's sick of it, and Marcus has had enough of his teammates being targeted by J.R. Smith. My my point is, he went a little harder than he he might have in the past.
2: Uh, yeah, I, I can't remember him lining up to throw a punch at any time. In the you past. know, and
1: that's and that's the thing. Like he's that that that's the difference in this one. I think Marcus Smart, with all of the things that he's gone through and con- is continuing to go through. Is I, I think I think that just elevated his reaction to, I, to whatever degree.
2: I gotta change tones here. Yeah, Jason Tatum and Terry Rozier, incredible team agent. <laughs> like Yes. yes. Like, like here's Marcus Smart. He is losing his shit. He is he is ready to throw a punch that will get him suspended for multiple games. I don't know how many it would have been. Um. And Jason Ted and they were like, all right, we got to stop this. We got to stop this freight train. Like they literally ran onto the train tracks while the train was coming through. (laughs) Fucking grabbed that train and pulled it and pulled it and yanked it. It was like fucking unstoppable with with Denzel Washington. (laughs) Well,
1: in the game, in the broadcast, as soon as Marcus Smart, like – so Marcus rush, rushes in, pushes J.R. Smith, and then, like, squares up. And at that moment, uh, Scal says, somebody's got to go get Marcus. Like, Scal saw it right away, and he knew exactly what was happening. So I got to give Scal credit. Like, he saw exactly what was happening. And it was what
2: like, if Scal had jumped out of the broadcast boot?
1: He was, like, so close. Like, I bet son- probably
2: Heinsohn would have jumped out of the broadcast <laughs>
1: But Scal saw it, and he was like, oh, somebody's got to go get Marcus. And that's when Terry Rozier and Jay, uh, Jason Tatum swooped in and saved the day. Like, nice. It's It was like, uh, you know, a couple of DBs for the Patriots bringing down someone who broke free in, in, in the secondary. They <laughs> <laughs> just wrapped him up and took him down. And it's like, as soon as he hit the ground, Marcus was like, okay, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. And, like, that was it. But, yeah, if they didn't, oh, my God. I, I don't even want to know what would have happened. Uh, but that was that was excellent. It was, and they they saw it. They saw exactly what was happening. they weren't just they were not just standing in, in between them and saying, hold on. Oh, no. They were like, oh, shit, we got to take this rhino down. He is just too much. So I, I would expect that Marcus Smart just from lining up to, to actually throw a punch and escalating a situation. Uh, I think I think he gets dinged for a, at the very least a significant a significant fine. My expectation is he, he gets a game. I think he gets a game, and, and that's it. And, and probably J.R. Smith gets a fine. I don't know how J.R. Smith didn't get tossed from that game, but
2: whatever. I mean, it was just a shove. I don't think he deserved to get tossed.
1: I thought he did. I think just because of – and, I, like, I hate J.R. Smith. So I think his history, and his history, like you said, especially with the Celtics, that's – you can't be pulling that.
2: So It was just a shove. It was just a shove. I don't know. I uh, think there was I, – much- I, didn't, I didn't think – I think – I mean, obviously, it incited the Celtics because the Celtics have been through – they've had history with J.R. Smith. But I, I didn't think judging based on that one incident, like he got tangled up with Baines. He thought Baines was blinking his arm and he just shoved him. It, it wasn't that bad. Okay. Like you, you would have been mad if Al Horford got got tangled up with someone and shoved him and got tossed.
3: Uh,
1: yeah, I guess, but I, I'm I'm looking at it from a um, from a Jr. Smith perspective. That he's <laughs> yeah. he's such a dick that I, I just his history, <laughs> the accumulated, you know, whatever he should have been tossed. Well, I just that's just my thought. Whatever. All right, we're gonna leave it at that. I'm sure there's gonna be a lot more to talk about with this topic. Whenever we get whatever punishment is doled out. In the meantime, I want to remind everybody it's this is the end of the preseason and the Locked On NBA podcast network is going to be doing previews. So get all of your NBA previews this week at Locked On NBA. Six teams a day, five days in the week. 30 teams previewed from the local experts of Locked On NBA. Follow Locked On NBA on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or tell your smart speaker to play
0: podcast Locked On NBA.
1: Uh let's uh, get our, our takeaways. Maybe we, we go defense and offense to split this up into our next two segments. Uh, let's start.
2: Can I just make this quick? Yeah. Defense sucked. Offense
3: sucked.
1: Great. Thanks for <laughs> listening, everybody.
3: Uh, the, the, <laughs> it's kind of true. It's it kind of true.
1: Yeah, that's the 30,000-foot uh, view of the Celtics in the preseason. That is, those are accurate statements. Let's drill it down a little bit. What do you think? Uh, the defense sucked. Why? Why did the defense suck? Is this a situation where uh, it's like Marcus Smart said the other day before FanFest, guys in the preseason, uh, in the offseason, they're not going out practicing defense. Everybody goes out and practices offense. So there's going to be some timing issues with, with the defense. Uh, is, is it as simple to you as – these guys are, are a little off, or is there an issue here? Where without Aaron Baines starting, that there, there's going to be a, a lot more uh, of a, a learning curve with these guys. Uh, maybe some of the stuff that that's happening now ha- was happening before, and Aaron Baines just erased it right, because he just defends the rim, and we just didn't realize it. it, it do you think? I think. I think. That's gonna Baines,
2: be an issue? I think Baines being taken out of the starting lineup. I think it shifts their strengths, right? Like, before they were a dominant defense. Yes. They were the top-ranked defense. And when Baines and Horford were on the court, they were basically off the charts. They had just about a 95—they allowed just about a 95 offensive rating for the other team, which is literally just about off the charts. I, I think they were the second-best defensive duo among any duo with at least 500 minutes played. So taking Baines and putting him in the second unit, that changes things. And when Baines was on the bench, they still were, you know, they, they were still a borderline top 10 defense. They And w- during the playoffs, when teams get more skilled, they were actually better defensively with Baines on the bench. And they started small a lot of the time with Marcus Morris or Shemi Ojale or whoever else in the starting lineup. And so I don't think it's this thing where they're, there's their great defense just goes away, but I think it does diminish it. Like Baines was fantastic for them. And the Baines Horford duo was fantastic for them. And like Baines is, he basically his presence alone makes them a great rebounding team. And when you take him away, they're going to struggle to rebound. And all of a sudden, like, like Gordon Hayward, he's, going to make them switchier he's going to make them more athletic he's going to make them you know maybe they'll force more turnovers but they're going to have holes that they didn't have when Aaron Baines was in so it just it just shifts things around and I don't think it's a bad thing at all because I think that starting life is going to be incredible especially once Hayward gets right but it definitely changes things and I, I think we saw some of that in preseason that defense won't come as easy to them as it did last year and they're gonna have to really work their balls off to get the stops that they did last year and to have a great defensive team. And I think offense should come a lot easier to them playing small more often and playing more skilled more often and having more three point shooters and more slashers and more athletes on the court more often. But but I, I do think like it's just it's just gonna be a different type of team. Like they're just gonna have it, it's a new team. It's it's not going to be the same team where they just get stops all the time like they did last year and then they struggle to score like they did last year. It's just going to be totally different and the formula is different. And I think we saw some of that in preseason. Um, but I think I also think not a lot of people are like ready for that. I think everyone just kind of thinks the Celtics are going to have the top-ranked defense again and then they're going to have a great offense again. But I think things are kind of shifting more than people think yeah
1: no that's fair That's totally fair um it look you have when you start the what's we we expect to be the regular starters Kyrie Jason Tatum Gordon Hayward are all offensive players Tatum and Hayward can can play defense they can play defense pretty well uh Kyrie Irving can sometimes but doesn't often so (laughs) but we're looking at three guys at the very least who are offense first and then whatever defense they play is is secondary. And then Jalen Brown is I think has been so focused on improving his offense that he'll be he'll be a two way player. He'll be a good defender, but he's also trying to be a a great offensive player too. And only Al Horford is is there and not really caring about his offense. Like he's the one guy that really is focused on the defense and kind of quarterbacking that defense. And, and offensively he plays a role and, and and that's it. So the question and the whole point of all this is how many of these guys, when you say they're gonna have to work their balls off to, to get stops, how many of these guys really are going to want to work their balls off on defense when what they really want is to get the ball and go score and play at that high pace and and just get a bunch of shots up it's it's a question of like why I phrased Aaron Baines back there the way I did was he is he does erase mistakes and if these guys and in the preseason we saw you know overreactions, guys you know late and and late on rotations and when you're late on rotations you go too fast and you you close out too hard and then they blow by you. Those type of things, well, Aaron Baines is back there, and, and anybody who's going to try to score on Aaron Baines is going to earn those points. I guess without him out there, like you said, it does it does mean a shift. It does mean that this team's going to be much more focused offensively, and, and maybe they're going to try just to outscore and, and do what they need to do to force.
2: Their, well, their, they should have, still have a, a good defense, probably it, a very good defense. It, it'll still be a good defense, but. It may not be number one, but they should still have a very good defense with him coming off the bench. Here's the question: How about this?
1: How bad can the Celtics' defense be for them to still be the top team in the East? How low? How lowly rank? How low of a rank can they go? I mean, to
2: be number one, they're not. Let's have, let's say that they're not going to be number one. You'd have to think they've. To be top top team in the East, you'd yes. have to think they, they'd be – you'd have to think they'd have to have a top 10 offense, right? Top or 10 top offense. 10, top 10 defense. Yes. And then,
1: well, if their they're, if they're offense – like where – if their offense – well, let's say this. If, they, so if, they, if offense, they slide all the way down to 10 defensively, then their offense has to go up to, to top five.
2: Their, their offense is a mystery to me. I don't say that like, like I'm worried about their offense. I think they're going to score a lot of points. But just how great will their offense be or how good will it be? Like they were 18th last year in offensive rating. And obviously Gordon Hayward coming back will shift that, although he's clearly not Gordon Hayward yet. Like he's not the Gordon Hayward yet.
1: He's not the guy that they signed.
2: Yeah. Um, he'll, He'll lift things and playing smaller more often will lift things. And having Kyrie healthy for the whole season will lift things. I'm pretty positive that they'll have probably a top 10 offense or better. Can it threaten to be like top offense in the league or will it be closer to the bottom half of the top 10? That's where I'm not sure. And I think what will determine that is how committed they are to getting great shots. And I think preseason, First of all, I don't think they gave a shit in preseason. I think it was very clear they did not give a shit in preseason. But also, there were some troubling signs from their offense, like they were very willing to settle for bad shots, and and that's all we've seen from them so far. Like, and I I I don't want to I don't even want to react. Not even I I don't want to overreact to preseason. I don't even want to react to preseason. (laughs) They gave four disgusting preseason games. And I, I think it was very clear they didn't really care. And I think it's very clear that they'll be very different nine days from now when they play the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, but I, I also still wonder, like, how much is their offense going to improve? Is it going to be elite, elite? Which I think it has the potential to be. And I, I think that despite the fact that some of their second unit guys um, have shown a propensity for bad shots in the past. I still think they have a chance to be an elite, elite offense, um, but but I don't think that's a given. I, I think they have to work to that, and and so that's that's one of the variables to me. And then the defense, whether it's you know closer to the top of the league or again closer to like top ten, that's another variable. And so I, I think both sides right now are kind of unproven. One, because you lose Aaron Baines. Two, because you add Gordon Hayward and you have guys who are it, theoretically improving from one year to the next, but you also have to put it all together and and make sure you get great shots and make sure all the talent meshes offensively. So I, I think the Southern, they're kind of unproven on both sides. And I think the Celtics kind of spoiled people last year, right? By coming out in the, like, they totally overhauled their roster. They only have four guys back. They lose Gordon Hayward opening night. And shit, two games later, they they rattle off a 16-game winning streak. And it's like, oh, Brad Stevens can just throw anyone together. It doesn't matter if they're rookies or new or whatever. It doesn't matter. He can just throw them together and and play together they're adding an all-star in and they're adding guys who have tweaked their roles adding two all-stars and if you include Ty- Kyrie Irving who didn't play in the playoffs at all so I, I do think this team like there's there's a put po- the potential for like I, I don't want to say like a, a long adjustment period but there's a, there's a potential for certainly an adjustment period where these guys just learn each other and try to figure things out and maybe it doesn't gel as easily as it did last year when when really like Celtics spoiled people and so there's there are those are the question marks about the Celtics obviously there there's a lot of positivity and optimism and everything like that but preseason didn't ease too many of the concerns <laughs> even though like I said they didn't give a shit
1: Right. Well, we'll get into that in a second. But first, uh, I want to tell everybody about the Locked On NBA podcast that never went away in the offseason, here for you Monday through Friday, still here for you every day. I do the Wednesday podcast with Jake Madison of Locked On Pelicans, so subscribe to Locked On NBA. It's your daily national NBA podcast. Every Monday, get the local experts on the biggest stories and then stay with Locked On NBA all all week long for daily 30 minutes podcast on everything going on in the nba follow for free apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, or tell your smart speaker to play podcasts. locked on nba
3: no matter what moves you made last year turbo tax experts make them count did you say no to a big wedding and a lope at the county courthouse that's a move did you go back to school to get your degree that's a move did you relocate for a fresh start They'll make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com/guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. So
1: effort was a definite issue in in the preseason. It drove Brad Stevens crazy. We could t- we could tell by the way he uh, reacted after the third preseason game and how horrible they looked. The it's funny after the uh, after that loss, that final loss, he said. All of our, for some reason, all of our progress seems to be behind closed door, uh, which seems to play into the fact that they just the 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 actual game themselves didn't matter. They did not care about playing those games because they were going hard in practice, and they're like, "That's it. This going out there and playing it doesn't matter to us," which which is a little wild. And
2: And that's kind of what's hilarious because like from preseason before the Celtics even practiced, they've been like, "Oh my god." Pickup is unbelievable. And then practices are like, oh, we're really getting it now. And then they come out in the games and there's like poop all over the floor. Yeah, right. And, right. and it's like, why don't you care in the games? But uh, uh, yeah, Kyrie was like, oh, competitive level is at an all time high during practice. And then they get out in the games and the competitive level is literally pooping on the floor. Like, <laughs> not literally,
1: almost. No, I would say literally. Yeah. <laughs> There was something that I missed in those games. Uh, so uh, the the thing about the offense, since we're here, is they they emphasize you know getting good shots instead of just early shots. And uh, Brad Stevens said an interesting thing: is that sometimes he made up the word "paceful." I've never heard of the word "paceful" before, but
2: he Full said, of pace.
1: "Yes, I guess." But he said sometimes you look more paceful because shots are going up early in the shot clock. And sometimes you look less paceful when you're working to get a great shot because the ball's moving from side to side. And it's an interesting thing because you look at it and that, you know, the thing I've been harping on the first couple of games, their offense put up like a hundred shots per game. And that's completely unreasonable to expect. That's like 1960s level offense, but They still could get a lot of shots up, and and I want them to get a lot of shots up. But the the sacrifice here is when Jalen Brown grabs a rebound and goes and just is going basically coast to coast. And then Jason Tatum does the same thing. And they're not moving the ball side to side. They're not running any sort of offense and it's not exactly sustainable. So I wonder if, I mean, were they just doing it just because they're like, ah, let me see what I can do here. Let me see what I can do with the ball. Okay. Now you see what you can do with the ball. And then once things start to matter, they'll start to actually run an offense. Or is this going to be something that we have to watch and, and maybe they, they kind of throw away some of the offense so they can each individually Go and get whatever they can get.
2: It's great because after preseason nobody knows what matters. No. And so and so it's like, oh, their offense has just kind of shit the bed this entire time, and their defense hasn't really been as stingy as it should be. And man, they've really sucked. But then at the same time in the back of your head it's like, it's a preseason. Who cares? Walt lemon has been playing big minutes in a lot of these games. Like who really freaking cares. And so I'm excited for the next nine days to pass by and the first real game to happen. And so that we at least don't have to qualify all of our statements with like, I'm just guessing right now, but (laughs) here's something that happened in the preseason and it might not be real. It might be real at least. I, th- I think Tom Westerholm put this on Twitter. He's like, at, at least at least October sixteenth, shit will be real. One way, or another, <laughs> right. one way or another, like whatever we see, it's going to be real. It's going to be what actually happened in a real game, and there will be no qualifiers. There will be no asterisks. It'll just be that's what happened and we can react to it and cool. And so I'm excited for that because, like I said, the Celtics stunk, and, and I mean, Kyrie missed two games, Horford missed one, Hayward missed one. Um, they only had one game with their their healthy squad, and and they scored sixty points in the first half of that game, and then they scored sixty four points in the first half of the next game. And it's like, oh man, they could score a lot of points, and they weren't even shooting the ball well. Right. And so there were good there were good signs, like there were signs that. The sublets could be really dangerous, and I think they should be really dangerous. But now we get to see if they actually are really dangerous very soon.
1: It's so It'll funny. Be It'll be great. People, we we all like we're we're reacting because we do a podcast, and we we're here. Monday through Friday, so we got to do something. We got to say something. We got to talk about something because getting on here and talking for five minutes, going, eh, you know what? None of this really matters, you know. So we talk about it. We talk about what we've seen, and the fact is, you're right. None of it really ends up mattering. I, I'll never forget. I'll never let go of that preseason when David Lee was an effective player, and we we're talking about you and I would sit here on this podcast and say. I don't know. I, I like the idea of running the offense high post through David Lee, blah 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 blah. And then all of a sudden, the regular season started, and he sucked, and it was
2: horrible. And, and you start calling him Derek Lee. <laughs> I
1: start calling him Derek, and it was like it just it. So it's hard. It's hard to sit there and think. Well, this this is what we're going to expect because you you're right. These guys, they, they they didn't really care that much. They're I mean,
2: Kyrie Irving it. literally, after he hurt his ribs, was like, yeah, I'm not disappointed at all to miss the final preseason game. I promise you that.
1: Yeah. So, like, it's – you're right. We, we, we have to, like, take all of this with a gigantic grain of salt because who knows? Who knows what that opener is going to be when it's a real game and we're playing against Philly and they're – you know they're they're actually will they actually run the offense that they're supposed to run? Will they give a shit? Like, I would expect them to. So it'll be different. We hope. But that's the thing. Like we still watched four games and saw things, and and now people are like in my Instagram comments asking me about like should we be worried? Like that's you know. It's wild. It's wild. The answer is no. By the way, no. You should not be worried about anything.
2: Leave. So, but it the down. answer is yes. Slide, <laughs> into John, slide into John's DMs.
1: Yes, slide into my DMs and ask me all sorts of wild questions about being worried. Actually, do not do that, please. Uh, all right, that's it. We're done. We're done with the show. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, I want to thank everybody. If you're a first-time listener, again, thank you, thank you, thank you. We hope you enjoyed the show. We're here for you Monday through Friday. We're the, your, only, your only podcast option that for Monday through Friday podcasts. We're here to work our asses off to get you quality Celtics content. So I hope it's enough for you to subscribe. If you're a subscriber, a five-star rating, a good written review would be awesome because that really helps us rise up through the rankings and has more people discovering us. That's a form of payment. The more people that discover us, the more people that listen, the more money we get through advertising. We don't ask you for money. We just ask you to give us those things, and then, but, you know, we get our advertising money. That's how it works. That's the business side of this. So, thanks for doing that, and also sharing, spreading the word. Tell everybody to listen to the Lockdown Celtics podcast here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Yeah, J King and
3: John